Welcome to the FBA Profits Show with your hosts Subi and Leland. Did you know the red and white Coca-Cola logo is recognized by 94% of the world's population? Hi and welcome to FBA Profits. My name is Leland. I'm Zuby. And we're here for uh, a podcast that's uh, for those looking or already involved in fulfillment by, F, um, by Amazon, also known as FBA. Um, with Amazon being the largest online retailer, uh, perhaps any the larger than any retailer at this point. Um, but uh, Zuby and I talk about our experiences and try to share with you, you know, what we've learned, both good and bad, and then keep spreading that message and include uh, sharing some of the things that we're working on that should help uh, you in that process of online retail and especially with uh, with FBA. Um, today, Zuby, it's been a while since you and I talked, but let's talk about fulfillment by Amazon Miss. I see online a lot of other groups, other companies that do sort of the coaching or how to talk about these myths. And I thought it'd be interesting from, you know, our perspective to kind of, um, address those and maybe share with you some of the ones that I've heard and you can share some of the ones that you've heard too. I like that. Uh, um, I'm, uh, I always enjoy seeing a lot of these things online uh, during my uh, daily perusal of different um, websites and different groups and whatnot. And it's uh, there's a lot of these types of a lot of myths and a lot of uh, false information out there that um, I don't know if it's specifically designed to uh, uh, <laughs> scare people or if it's just uh, some unscrupulous people messing around with people. But there's there's a lot of uh, you know, some, some funny ones and some not so funny ones out there as far as myths are concerned about Amazon selling. So, yes, I am going to enjoy today's conversation. Awesome. Yeah, the, the, the first one that I started seeing while thinking about researching for today's uh, discussion was that it's illegal, that doing FBA is illegal. And this one scratched my head, but apparently some people believe that reselling anything that's not produced by you or manufactured by you is illegal, hence putting it onto Facebook, it would be also, or Facebook onto Amazon, that putting it onto Amazon would be illegal. So that that was a shocker to me. Have you heard this uh, this myth? Um, I, I've heard it. it it's, I think it, it, it comes from um, a lack of full understanding of Amazon itself and its policies. Um, Amazon has, quote unquote, illegal products that you cannot sell on their, on their um, platform um, and that th those are you know counterfeits or fake products they they consider those uh, they're very cognizant of the fact that when especially when they first launched FBA there was a lot of that stuff going on uh, as is there's an eBay um, so they they've made it very hard uh, or they've, they've taken a very hard line uh, approach to anybody selling stuff on their website that is uh, not authentic um, they they go through uh, they make sellers jump through hoops to prove authenticity uh, but as far as uh, illegality um, you don't have to be a manufacturer I have heard this before but you don't have to be a manufacturer you just have to make sure that your products are authentic yeah I, I would guess if you were going to try to sell you know high-end uh, you know handbags um, you're gonna run into problems even if you did it in your own store uh, but as long as you have a reseller's license and whether you have a brick and mortar shop or you're doing it online, uh, you can pretty much get just about anything to, you know, 
resell. Uh, and I think the FBA platform's the same way. Um, and kind of coinciding with that, I, I, the myth I heard that Amazon's just like eBay, right? That this is just used goods, they're busted up packaging. And, you know, uh, I this one made sense to me only because eBay was sort of, I don't know if it was there first. Maybe you can fill in the, the blanks around that one, whether FBA was first or eBay. But certainly, I think more people have before a lot more experience uh, posting their own stuff, <laughs> especially used on eBay. So when they get into the FBA world, it, they just think it's going to be the same thing. You need a bunch of broken down or, you know, unopened packages from Christmas time and you're going to resell them for a couple of bucks. Yeah, I'm not sure if, but I'm, I'm, I think eBay was there before FBA, but um, um, yeah, eBay, eBay's uh, uh, reputation out there is much uh, worse than Amazon's will ever be, uh, hopefully. Um, but yeah, eBay is known for, uh, a la they're, they're nowhere near as stringent uh, on controlling the sellers on what they're selling uh, than uh, as Amazon is. Um, but going back to the illegality aspect of it, um, there are certain products that are illegal to sell on Amazon. Amazon does not sell alcohol, for example, um, and you cannot sell a bottle of uh, Jose Cuervo on there. Um, but um, as far as the myth of not being able to sell on Amazon, yeah, you you the, the, you can sell as as you said anything that you have a uh, uh, you have some kind of a relationship with either a manufacturer or wholesaler or if you're purchasing it from um, retail stores that have that relationship right uh, all right so one of the other ones we've talked about this in previous podcasts is that you're going to get rich going into the fba market going on to amazon that you're going to get really rich and um my experience with this is very shortly thereafter you're going to get a really hard sales pitch to buy a service buy a package deal of videos, something, because I, I don't think this is the um, I'm going to retire moment. Like we've talked about this before. It's a great side hustle. Um, it can be your main avenue of business. If you already have a retail store or you're in manufacturing, this becomes another facet, another arm for you to, you know, distribute, sell, uh, you know, create revenue. But, you know, I would say beware of anybody saying this is the way to get rich. I, I, I would tend to disagree with you, I think, on that Ooh, one. Do tell. Because um, I, I see, I know of a lot of uh, Amazon sellers who have gotten, uh, if not, you know, extremely wealthy, but they have gotten, quote unquote, rich based on their own uh, goals and objectives. The, I think the the fine print on that and the fine point to make on that is that it's not a get rich quick scheme. Um, mm -hmm. If you're in it for the long haul, if you follow and you put in the time and the effort, the effort you put, you do the blood, sweat and tears, um, like any other business, um, it gives you the opportunity to drastically scale and build a business without necessarily having that huge cost of customer acquisition, uh, having a platform where you need to, you know, get people to come on and, and start buying from you, from you, that all of that is provided by Amazon. So um, you can definitely make a lot of money and you can definitely uh, month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year, increase your sales, your bottom line, your profits, everything, um, as long as you stay the course and continue doing and, and growing your business. So um, 
you can get rich, but it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in the first few months. Um, you know, you, you, it's, it's a long-term game plan. Um, this isn't a business where you're building a, a new uh, software platform that within a year you can sell for a billion dollars to Facebook or one of those places. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it, it requires time, effort, and dedication uh, to really build it. But th th there's a lot of rewards involved, both, both financially and other rewards involved in being in this business and being in this uh, in this marketplace. Yeah, I think the operative word there was quick. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And which I did not have part of my uh, my statement. So yeah, quick. And I think that transitions nicely into the other myth that I hear is that it's it's too hard, that selling on Amazon is just too hard. And for me, I think this is a differentiation between, you know, putting in hard work and it's too hard. Like calculus is really hard, <laughs> but um, like any entrepreneurial uh, effort, the amount of effort, the hard work you put in pays in dividends. And I think this just backs on what you were just saying before. If you're willing to put in the blood, sweat and tears, the reward on the other side is, of course, uh, worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it is too hard. It, 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 and and <laughs> it's a good thing that it's too hard. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't hard, then... Uh, you know, instead of 100,000 FBA sellers, there will be 100 million FBA sellers and there will be no, you know, the competition will be so hard that uh, so much that most people wouldn't be able to last two days in this business. Um, the fact that it's hard um, and the fact that it requires time and effort and and, and sweat and, uh, you know, you have to put in that sweat equity. You, you can't just, um, you know, open up a store and uh, list some stuff and then become, you know, multimillionaire overnight. Um, and but because it's hard, those who take the time to learn the process, those who actually look at this as a viable source of income and a viable source of scaling their uh, business um, and they, they do it the right way, they can make uh, a, a very good and a significant income stream uh, for themselves. Agreed. So this next one I found interesting. Uh, it, it, it's nuanced and uh, I probably will not give it uh, justice, but you can't, this is the myth, you can't use retail re receipts to prove authenticity. And the differentiator there, not, we're not talking about being gated or ungated, just you can't use a retail receipt to prove authenticity. So uh, it's by, it's, it's reselling a product that require, you know, Nike, something that's branded, um, and, uh, but your author, you, you're not gated or ungated, but you have to prove its authenticity. So apparently any receipt, as long as it's valid, can be used to prove its authenticity. Yes. Uh, so th th this is a little bit more, um, uh, and we need to get a little bit more in depth on, on, on this one, uh, simply because there's a lot of different issues that Amazon is very adamant about on this, on this topic. Uh, first is the gating and the ungating, which means you're either restricted, gated, or unrestricted, ungated on selling specific brands or specific categories. So if you are unrestricted from selling a specific brand, but then, and, and you source it from, say, Walmart or, say, Kohl's, um, and ship it into Amazon, and it sells, and then the, and then the customer turns around and gives uh, uh, A to Z, they're called A to Z claims, or, or a bad review, basically, saying that you sold them an inauthentic uh, product, that it's not really a Nike shoe. 
that it's actually a Nikki shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, so Amazon takes that very seriously because it goes back to that first point we made that they, they don't like um, anybody selling inauthentic or fake stuff on their website, mm-hmm. on their platform, because it, it, it ruins their credibility. So anytime you get an inauthentic claim against you, uh, it's very important as a seller to make sure that you uh, combat that as soon as possible. Uh, now, if you purchased it from, say, Kohl's.com, um, then, or you went into Kohl's and purchased it uh, through retail arbitrage, um, you have to make sure you've kept your receipts. You have to make sure you've kept your online receipt or, or physical receipt. And then you can use that receipt to submit to Amazon and show, hey, look, this is what I purchased. This is what I sold. And I purchased this from Kohl's or I purchased this from Walmart. And here is the uh, proof of that purchase. And most of the time, Amazon will accept that as proof of authenticity. Uh, the caveat to that is you always have to be very careful when you're purchasing products from other marketplaces. Um, in other words, um, I, I actually personally ran into this issue. Luckily, I didn't get a claim against me, um, but and I didn't have to prove it. But I went on Walmart.com um, and I purchased a, a product from a third-party seller on Walmart.com. Um, and I purchased a significant amount of it uh, because it was a very good deal. Uh, found out later why it was a good deal. Uh, I shipped I shipped the products into Amazon and they sold really well. Um, and then I started getting these, uh, got a couple of claims that they were um, fake products, inauthentic products. Um, so I recalled the rest of my inventory from Amazon. I closed that listing um, and I went back to Walmart to try to get the uh, seller to give me proof of authenticity on it, and the seller was no longer on that platform. Um, so I couldn't find the seller again. Um, so if I had gotten a um, an authentic claim against me by Amazon, and Amazon had uh, suspended my account and asked me to submit a receipt or proof that I had, I had uh, purchased authentic um, products, I might have been in trouble for that. Um, I had my Walmart receipt. Um, I could have submitted that, and there was probably an 80% chance that it would have gotten approved and I wouldn't have been in any problem. But there was that 20% or so chance I might have gotten in trouble because I didn't purchase it from Walmart. I purchased it from some reseller on Walmart.com, and Walmart is nowhere near as stringent as um, Amazon is on on authenticity. So um, you can use retail receipts to fight uh, authentic claims, but it's very important to uh, keep in mind uh, who you're buying it from. If it's a major retailer, for the most part, you'll be okay. Um, If it's a uh, third-party reseller on a different marketplace, uh, be wary of it. Um, And again, it's very important to note that you cannot use receipts to get unrestricted on brands. Amazon's adamant that they you, uh, you have to submit an invoice that has the same name and address and information as your Seller Central account. Um, it shows a minimum of 10 items ordered uh, from that uh, manufacturer or distributor, um, and you have to take pictures of it. It's a, there's a whole list of things you have to do in order to um, receive, to get ungated on specific brands, um, but and receipts will not work. But for authenticity claims, receipts in general should work. Right. Yeah. And that that's the, the big differentiator there is uh, what what you're trying to prove to, you know, mama, papa, uh, Amazon. Yep. Uh, so two more to go on myths. And then if you have any other ones you have, it would be interesting to hear. But the, the penultimate one is uh, that the only way to sell on 
FBA is you got to go over to China, you got to find a manufacturer and start, you know, selling something that they have, or you need to make it yourself to be able to be a success. And uh, I, I know for this one, you know, if you listen to anything that we talk about retail arbitrage, it doesn't fit. That's that's 100% a myth. It doesn't mean that you can't do that. Uh, we both know products that have done that. We've both been involved with products that either we've developed or have sourced from overseas and had success. But it's not the only way. And you know, in my mind, retail arbitrage is the best example of that, where you can you just mentioned that you found something from a different retail shop and you were able to well, the example you gave, you weren't able to move it because there was problems, but that's the whole point of ProAsin's lists, and there's many other arbitrage, uh, retail arbitrage uh, lists out there. Yeah, and and this mm. this goes back to that topic of uh, is it hard to to uh, sell on Amazon? Um, so, just to recap, there's three major business models on Amazon for resellers. There's the arbitrage model, the wholesale model, and the private label model. Uh, the sourcing from China and uh, creating your own product and creating your own brand and selling it on Amazon is the um, is the private label model, which mm -hmm. means that th there, there's a lot of upside to a private label uh, model to, to actually create your own brand and create your own product and sell it. Um, China is where the cheapest labor is, so that's what a lot of people have done. But what has happened is because um, there's been a lot of, I'm talking hundreds if not thousands of different people who are now coaches and experts on teaching you how to uh, sell, how to create a new product um, and do a private label. Um, and what their marketing tactic is to flood the internet, uh, the YouTube, Facebook, all the major marketplace, all, all, all the major marketing areas uh, with information that arbitrage is dead. Uh, that retail arbitrage and online arbitrage is dead, that there's, it's inundated with competition. Uh, wholesalers, uh, no manufacturer is giving any wholesale accounts anymore because they get um, called a thousand times a day by uh, Amazon resellers. Um, and they keep on touting this over and over and over and over again. So this myth has really uh, built up steam out there. Th there's a small amount of true to it. Uh, there, it, is, it is a lot harder to get a wholesale account now than it was five years ago, uh, but it's very doable. We do it on a daily basis. Um, I, I have uh, a VA that is constantly out there uh, looking for uh, wholesale accounts for us. Um, so, and, and, you know, we, I, I'm in, in, on, on a regular basis, I'm in conversations, whether email or uh, over the phone with different manufacturers or distributors trying, uh, wor uh, working out and negotiating deals for wholesale accounts. Um, we do all online arbitrage every single day. Um, I have two different people who do that for me on a regular basis. Uh, we have our list that is, uh, that has a lot of very profitable, uh, leads for online arbitrage on a daily basis. We send it out to our entire uh, list subs subscribers. So uh, it's definitely uh, not dead. It's definitely the, the easiest route to go is the online arbitrage. Second easiest is wholesale, which is the way I look at it is you get into the business with online arbitrage or retail arbitrage, um, and then you scale up to wholesale, and then you scale all the way up to private label once you have everything else automated. Once you have your arbitrage side automated, once you have your wholesale side automated, then the next step is to start uh, looking into private label products. Um, and that's mainly because private label products 
are the home run products. Uh, you either strike out or you, you hit a home run with them. So because there's no competition, it's your brand, it's your product. If you are able to get that product to start selling hundreds and thousands of them a month, um, you just, you know, that's it. That's a home run. Uh, the problem with it is you strike out many, many times before you <laughs> get a home run. It's funny, as you were describing that, I'm thinking of the times we play poker. I'm like, and there's the Zuby I know playing poker. It's all <laughs> or nothing, man. We're gonna we're gonna run the table or we're walking out early. Listen, and, you're uh, all you're all you're all ins don't get called uh, when you have it if you don't go all in when you don't have it sometimes. <laughs> well it's funny because you're 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 going through that that mindset of grow, 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 right? And and steeps into our our different backgrounds and you know, you just keep growing, you keep growing, but there's no reason you can stop wherever you're comfortable. If you, uh-huh. if you're killing it with online and I'm coaching somebody right now where it's like, they don't want it. They don't want to come up with other products. They don't want to deal with, you know, wholesale agreements and trying to figure out the net. And all. You can stay right in that. Any one of those buckets you can stay and operate. It's just how much material you're going to be able to run through, how active you are on it. And then what you're talking about, which is the risk versus reward. If you have the patience, the time, the energy, to have, you know, uh, the old baseball metaphor, you want to bat two, three hundred, um, go for it, you know, just keep, keep stumbling around. And then when the one hits, you're, you're celebrating, um, you, you can grow up to that, to that, uh, that third tier, if you will. Yeah, we, we, we tell our students all the time, uh, it, it's, you know, one of the foundational topics that we talk about when we, um, w- w- with all of our students is that your business is your business's success is highly dependent on your goals for it um, and what you want to get out of it. Um, you know, if you want to go ahead and get in with online arbitrage and use it as quote unquote a side hustle, use it as a secondary source of revenue. Um, and that's where you have your nine to five or you have your other businesses, you have your career, then that's what that then you will succeed at that as long as you stay the course and you don't need to go into and start getting wholesale accounts. You don't need to go and um, start looking at private label products. There is definitely a, uh, a ceiling when it comes to just doing online arbitrage. You know, if you can't, you can't put a million dollars into your account and expect to go and find a million dollars worth of online arbitrage <laughs> to be able to, 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 to sell via online arbitrage on a monthly basis. It's just not going to happen. Um, not unless uh, it's not going to happen. You need to have wholesale accounts when you reach those levels. But if it's, you know, 10,000, 5,000, 20,000, those are very doable. You can, you know, you, you, you can definitely have that type of a churn on your account using online arbitrage. So mm-hmm. it's all dependent on what your goals are as a, as a, as a business owner. So the last myth that I have in front of me is that the lowest price within that Amazon page is going to win. And this one I love because when, uh, you know, the training I have is, uh, and especially with my background in different, different ventures, it was always a race to the bottom. And that's what I thought this was going to be. And very early on, we had a product, uh, educational type product that was sitting there and we had some discussions about inventory management. And I remember telling you like, no, we got to, we got to drop. And you're like, no, just wait. And then you showed me inventory from the other sellers was low. They're going to burn through theirs and then this is going to pop back up. So that was one strategy for dealing with lowest price. But then also we've seen it and even I think we just talked about it recently, which is there can be a lower price person out there. But the other facets of what gets you the buy box or what gets you within those first couple of um, clicks 
you know, you don't even have to be in the buy box. You could be two or three and somebody's going to pick you for a variety of reasons, right? Prime, prime membership is one of them. Uh, your ranking as a, as a seller is another. So, um, yeah, this is lowest price doesn't always necessarily mean you're going to get the sale. No, no. The, the, with Amazon, the, the most important aspect of getting the buy box and getting the sale is using FBA and getting the prime badge. Um, buy box algorithm, non-COVID era, uh, you know, not from March until May, it was a whole different ballgame. But before that and since then, uh, the buy, buy box algorithm is very skewed towards um, FBA sellers, um, who are using who all FBA users get prime the prime badge so and and the prime um, button uh, or the prime search uh, sorry the prime filter uh, is the number one filter that's used by Amazon purchasers or Amazon custom buyers um, so if you have the buy prime uh, if you're selling FBA and you have the prime badge and let's say you have a product out there that's that you have for forty nine dollars. You can have other merchant fulfilled sellers who have not shipped it to an Amazon warehouse that they're selling it from their own stores or their own garages. They could have their price at $29, at $23, at $30, and they would not get a sale. You could continuously sell yours at $49 over and over and over again, and they will not get a single sale because the majority of the people, over 80% of, of searches are done with the prime filter on. So and because they're merchant fulfilled, they do not get the prime filter. So they customers don't even see their products. They don't see them as being listed on there as a seller. So it's uh, it's definitely not true. Now, when it it does become true when you are battling for the buy box against another FBA seller, um, then the lowest price, all else being equal, will get the buy box. Uh, and the way around that, and it's. I wish more sellers knew this and more sellers saw this um, as a strategy because then uh, it wouldn't be a race to the bottom. But a lot of FBA sellers who use repricers uh, do go to a race to the bottom, at least to the bottom of their uh, minimum uh, price that they, they've set on their repricer. Um, but the Amazon buy box will rotate between you and any other sellers that are that have the lowest FBA price on there as long as you're within about 3% of each other you will rotate that price. So there's no reason to continuously drop the price um, uh, just just to get the buy box. But a lot of people do because that's what uh, the, you know, another myth out there is that the if, if you're FBA and you're battling an FBA seller, then you got to lower your price below theirs to get the buy box, which is absolutely not true. Well, that's the list. What myths have you come across? Uh, well, the, the one that I just mentioned is probably my biggest pet peeve. Um, it, it's that there's a lot of um, different uh, FBA sellers, especially newer sellers, who um, use a repricer and then they say, hey, I have to be lower than somebody else and uh, um, I'll do it. Uh, another another um, F myth that I hear a lot um, is that Amazon does not care uh, for the sellers, for the third party sellers. And they are... Uh, it's my experience over the years has been anything but that they're very they're like a very strict teacher or a really strict parent <laughs> um, they, they will they will slap you around and they will you know put you on timeout and uh, they will make sure you abide by the rules that they've set forth um, and they are a very customer centric um, platform and company but 
53% of their sales came from third-party sellers, of their revenues came from third-party sellers last year. So it's a, we, we are a huge part of their business model. Um, and they do care about Amazon resellers and they do work with a lot of, with, with all their Amazon resellers to make sure that if you are following their terms of service, uh, that your needs are met. Um, you gotta, we, we have to understand that they are a huge, humongous, ginormous, whatever word you want to use, uh, <laughs> company. And uh, they do have hundreds of thousands of sellers on there. So, yeah, you're not going to be able to call them right away, but they have, they, they, they do have uh, tools in place where they will call you right away if you have an emergency or if you really need to talk to someone about your product. Um, and they do care uh, about Amazon resellers. Uh, that That's one of those myths that I see that a lot on, on chat, chat sites and message boards and whatnot, and it's definitely not true. I love that analogy of the very strict teacher because it's exactly how they are. As long as you're playing the game and trying your hardest and, and doing it, doing it within the guidelines of the rules. So you're not, you know, you're not cheating on a test. You're not disrupting the class. They'll bend over backwards when you show up after school to say, I really need help with this problem. And they're like, yeah, let's figure it out. That's absolutely spot on. If you break the rules, you're writing you're writing your your standards on the blackboard, though, for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, or, or, or they will just kick you out of school. You're no longer allowed to be here. <laughs> Any others that you want to? Oh, I think wanna... that's I think that's good. I, I like this discussion. I think there's some good ones that we we hit on. I think that the the key factor behind our goal for this mm. podcast was just to sort of put to bed some of the some of the misconceptions that are out there about being an Amazon reseller. Um, it's not the easiest thing, but it's very doable. Uh, a lot of people are doing it. And um, with anything else, like with anything else in life, if you put the time, effort, and get the right um, people on board, the right coaching, uh, you can succeed in it um, and succeed very well in it. Yeah, and if you're listening to this and you're you're new to it or you know, you're uh, an experienced pro with FBA, go to Profitable ASINs uh, uh, within Facebook. We have a group there. And post your myth. We, I, I want to hear, you know, if there's any more that are out there. I mean, certainly some of these are, they might be a little dated, but, it, it, you know, especially as you're going through that process, what are some of the myths that you're coming up with? Uh, you know, you're sharing with your family and your friends, hey, I'm starting to do this. What are people saying to you, right? Uh, it would be interesting to hear uh, feedback from other people like, uh, you know, is it... I, I know from me personally, a lot of the folks that I dealt with, they didn't even know this was an option. They didn't even know that this was happening. They just thought that Amazon was doing all of it, that there wasn't third party sellers. So if you have any, post them. Love it. Love to read them. Um, anything else, Zuby? That's it. Thank you. All right. Sir. So as always, we thank you for listening. I mean, especially uh, if you got to this end part, um, there's lots of podcasts out there and we certainly appreciate you being here with us. Like I said, check us out on the Facebook page. We're also at proasins.com. Uh, we have links to all of the other great stuff that we're doing. Um, and, you know, uh, you're on the podcast. Rate it, review it, let us know how we're doing. Sign up for the newsletter. Just, you know, spend your whole day uh, signing up for all of our stuff. We <laughs> appreciate it greatly. Thanks, Suvi. Thank you, man. Stop that. Thank you for listening to FBA Profits. Visit ProASins.com for more information like our Facebook group, Twitter, and direct contact.